So did you see the We Are the World documentary? I have seen it. Netflix? I, have, I have seen it, yes. So the thing that I was surprised about was that Prince was there. Like, he was in the vicinity because they just finished the American Music Awards. Of but course. He did, but he didn't want to show up because he didn't. He wanted to record as part of it, but he wanted to do it by himself. That's right. Nobody else would be around. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that he was recluse, but I didn't realize that. Yeah. Like, well, he doesn't want to be around anybody. <laughs> well, I mean, that was that was pretty well known that he didn't want to be about it. What, what surprised me was Waylon Jennings, like, going, uh, he just noped right out. Like, he was just like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. He did. <laughs> It's like, oh, no, no, out. no, that was because Stevie Stevie Wonder wanted to put Swahili <laughs> into the right. song. And Waylon <laughs> Jennings says, there's no American song that I'm going to be on is going to have Swahili <laughs> exactly. in it. And he just totally tapped out. Just a good old boy. Never knew. Now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to This Old Marketing, proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 415-415 for Friday, February 16th, 2024. And with me, as always, as he always is, is my colleague, my, well, my friend. Yeah, I think he's my friend. Anyway, he's enjoying the beach right about now while we're all still at work, and his name is Mr. Joe Polizzi. Get down in here. <laughs> you had to think about whether or not I'm your good friend, just yeah. your friend, just a, or just maybe friend. an acquaintance. It's because you maybe it's because you leave me. You leave me. I hopefully right now, as people are listening to this, I'm I'm getting. Oh, I think I'm. Where are we at? I think this is vitamin D. At, yeah, you're getting your I'm, vitamin I'm in, D. I'm I'm at an, I'm at some island. Uh, I don't know exactly which island I will be at, but I'll be getting lots of vitamin D. There it is. Because uh, I yeah, it, there was it was years ago. I think I told you the story, but for whatever, I didn't notice the days that were lining up. But it would be around January, February that I would get like super depressed, like yeah. really, really down. Like oh my god, this is horrible. Life's horrible. Whatever. And then I just realized, you know, being in Cleveland, Ohio, I hadn't seen the sun for so long. Uh, there, there, it's a thing. Like if you don't get enough vitamin D and whatever, you no, gotta, yeah, you got so so we we they now have like changed. appliances in Scandinavian countries. There are appliances where you literally turn on these lights in your house. Um, like UV, in order to get UV yeah. lights or well, whatever. That gives you, yeah, they give you the sort of the radiation, the sort of same kind of radiation that the is sun it the gives same you. ones that you put over your head to help that help grow your hair follicles? I don't. Is know. it the same type of thing? I don't. I wouldn't know anything about. Because now that but... I would invest in, I would have that all throughout. Do you have one of those? Do you have one of those devices? Look, I don't, but I, <laughs> but I have to be honest. When I was about twenty six years old and I started losing my hair, I went to one of those treatment centers. Did you? Where I would go for an hour and I would go under this big, all-encompassing really? headlamp, like like a like a big hair dryer. Yeah. But okay. instead of it drying your hair, there were these lasers. Oh, and and it worked so well. I lost all my hair for years. Okay. Later. <laughs> I was gonna, do you walk out? Do you walk out of one of those places feeling like all tingly and you know like like you've just been poked with a million needles or what? Does no, it no, no. Like? It just it just feels warm. It just feels warm on your head. And warm. I actually thought. I actually thought it was working for a while. I really did. Yeah. But uh, but no, but no, it didn't. Is your didn't head work. the only place you don't grow hair? I mean, literally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what the? What? <laughs> well, this just took a turn. <laughs> this what? It, what's what's the topic of this special episode? No. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> the short answer: the only place that I struggle to grow hair. Okay. Uh, I'll, and I'll say this because I can make fun of myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when we go like on vacations with friends and I don't have a shirt on and we're by yeah. the pool and I'm whatever. And they'll say, Joe, take your sweater off. 
Yeah. It's that's, hot. Out that's here. very funny. Put your that's, Chewbacca suit away. There's very funny. Well, here's so. the thing. I'm, I'm the opposite, right? This here where you see, and for those of you who are listening only, I'm sort of pointing to my goatee uh, and mustache. Your beautiful it's salt the, and pepper. It's the goatee. only place on my face that, I mean, I have tried. I would, I, you know, I, Oh, envy. you can't grow a full beard. I cannot. Oh, I cannot. For some reason, it's just on my cheeks and, 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 and basically, you know, on my neck, I can get uh, quite a quite a good growth going, but I but on my cheeks, I just it just never it it just it, it looks all scraggly and awful. So so yeah, I can I've never grow, been able to do it. I can grow. So I already have bushy eyebrows, but I can yeah. like below my eyebrows, I can grow a beard where you'd only see the whites of my <laughs> eyes. Watch like right under right under my eyes, I could grow yeah. all. I mean, yeah, all, all the, the beard, all the beard. I hashtag and all the beard. And and when uh, we were we were doing a fundraiser uh, years ago, I was doing it with Adam, and uh, I I grew this beautiful lush beard that I was going to shave off for the fundraiser. Yeah. But I I want I started to talk to it like it was a friend. <laughs> I started to talk to it, and I really felt I really fell in love with it. It and, grew its own personality. And my wife was nice about it because I was doing this for charity and whatever. Yeah. Uh, St. Baldrick's. Was Did it have a name? St. Ba St. Baldrick. Oh, oh, the, the name. I can't share with you the name of the beard. Okay. Because it's dead. Because that beard got completely. Oh. Yeah. That and and and. Uh, why can't you hear the name? I mean, is the name like the name of the beard? The name of the beard that I had at the time. Why can't I share with it? Be didn't have be name. Because it I. It just brings up bad memories. Okay. Oh, sorry. I didn't okay. mean to. I, yeah. I sorry. Because it was <laughs> so. It was, it was, it was really, it's long. not your fault, Joe. It was it's really long. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's a good, goodwill hunting reference. Yeah. I love it. But I do take it personally because I'm the one that had to, you know, get rid of it. Yeah. I, now I'm really upset. I'm like, I'm tearing okay. up and everything. I don't know what to do. But anyways, yes. To answer your question, I can grow hair at an astonishing rate. <laughs> if, uh, if it was a contest about how fast you can grow a beard, I would be, I would be the, what's the guy that eats all the hot dogs? Oh, uh, the, the, the Nathan's hot dog. Contest. Yeah. Yeah. Joey Tommy bag of something. donuts. Yeah. Whatever. Joe, Joey. Uh, Joey yeah. Joey. Uh, yeah. Joey bag of donuts. <laughs> Joey. Joey. <laughs> <laughs> all right this has already gone off the rails yeah no, we do have a what's special the episode what is the special episode we about, have a, robert we have a special blossom episode for all of you this week um and it comes out of a, a question and a couple of questions actually that we've gotten over the last couple of weeks and so we decided to sort of make a make a thing out of it and it was really the ins what, what we're calling the show is the ins and outs of building or launching a content brand, right? So something mm. where you're building a media brand for your company for marketing purposes or for yourself as a creator brand or for, you know, where you're just launching something that is ultimately going to be separate and discreet um, and its own thing. Um, so whether that's a podcast, whether that's an email newsletter, whether that's a resource center, whether that's a webinar thought leadership program, whether it's a website, whether it's, you know, a, a documentary, whatever it is, it's its own content brand. And so what are the, you know, in today's world in 2024, what are some of the ins and outs? And so Joe and I will talk through, I'm going to really talk through it through the lens of, uh, companies and, you know, cause this is the lens I know so well, the companies and, you know, as content marketing programs and those kinds of things. And Joe will not necessarily, it's not what we both. Won't talk about each both. other. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. Do. We'll be both. Uh, but Joe yeah. will sort of lean into the content creator idea, the content entrepreneur as he is wont to do. Um, and we'll talk about <laughs> some tips and some tricks and some ideas that you can do here. So yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. What do you, what, yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. That's, that's, that sounds good. I was not aware we were going to do this at all. Nobody told me you didn't share anything, but if this is the direction you well, want to go, this is great. Here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, apparently we're doing, we're doing a remote show at CEX and we're going to have a guest that I still don't know. Two weeks later, I still don't know who the heck it is. Um, and because yeah. I haven't talked to you about it. I right. bef see before I make these unilateral decisions about our, you know, special, this old marketing at, content entrepreneur expo yeah. on may 5th which you know about but well sort of you sort of yes. found out about it because i sort of told you yeah 
that we were going to do it, but but we're going to have a guest. We never have guests. That's right. Rarely will we have three three guests in the whole history lifetime of, a, of the yeah. show. Uh, and most of them have actually come at events. When we did Content Marketing World yeah. Sydney, we had, I think, Todd Wheatland and Tim that's Washer right. were our guests. Yeah. And that's is that it? No, we had Jay Kunzo for a special. That's right. Uh, a special that's episode right. during Christmas last year, I think it was. And then we had, of course, the one time that we've had a special co-host guest was we had the wonderful Paul Reitzer who who filled in for you. That uh, yes, one that was one of our better episodes because I wasn't I, there. But yeah. so we'll have to. So it'll be it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. Uh, yeah, CEX dot events, by the way, and get T O M for your coupon code. I have to throw, we have to sell sometimes. So CEX dot events, yeah. go sign up. I want to see you in person. Use T O M capital T O M to save a hundred bucks. You can see us in person, do a live of the sold marketing that'll be planned, right? Like we'll yeah. have, a, I don't know we'll who's going to, right? I mean, is it being, is it being sponsored by? The HubSpot Podcast Network, yes, the audio that's destination why. for yes, business they, professionals. So they came in, HubSpot <laughs> gave it as a sponsor, and this is what they want to do. So for the opening reception, you and I are doing, as part of that, we're doing a live of the sold marketing. I'm under the assumption, I'm just throwing it out there. Sure. That it'll probably be somebody that's on the podcast, the HubSpot Podcast Network. I don't think um, it's just going to be Joe Rogan or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Because you don't like he, Joe Rogan. No, I mean, last week we had Joe Rogan and Grant Cardone on the uh, topic about on the show. It's like, what if whew. Grant Cardone wanted to be a guest on this show? Would you? No, I would veto that. Yeah, really? Veto that? Yeah, I would. But what if he could... said you could? What if he said that we could 10x our <laughs> podcast? <laughs> would you then say, uh, well, Grant, if uh, you could 10x, I would, the we podcast, could only do it. We could only do it if we sat on stools in front of a Ferrari instead of in front of some McMansion in Florida somewhere. That would be. Oh, that would. Yeah, that would totally be like if what would we do? We'd, we would probably and we'd have to have like, a, you know, dance music going. Oops, 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 oops. Grant Cardone and the Ferrari and the and the whole, you know, and we'd have to use the word bra a lot. We have to use we have to talk about bra. Hey, bra. That's sus. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> no. I think if we were going to do something like that, it would be us in lounge chairs in front of Ann Handley's tiny house. Like that's the no. type of thing I think we would do. That would be a cute show. That would yeah. that would be a cute show. That's what I'm saying. That's what we would in do. Lounge that's chairs. more. That's more. That's more us or beach yeah. chairs maybe. The totally. low ri The low risers. The lo so people can see over you. That's right. Yeah. Let's get so to the people show. would have to help. Let's us get out. to the show. Let's get to the show. <laughs> All right, you want to go for? Are we are we taking turns? Yeah, let me introduce let me introduce it with a question for you sure. because this is sort of the it sort of helps uh, put a context around it. So the questions that we were getting from our audience were, you know, it there's so much noise out there today, and so many companies, so many content creators, and really it's in competition. We're in competition with each other, right? We're in competition with our competition. We're in competition with other media operations that are trying to, you know, attract our, uh, our audience's attention. And so how do you start thinking about building a content brand that can pierce the noise and be different? And also at the same time, feed into the, you know, the, the current, things that are popular right so it's it's sort of this delicate balance that that the questions sort of both straddle which is there are things that are known right the way you know podcasting right there there is a there is a format to it there is a structure to it but at the same time you don't want to use the same old structures you know whether it's an email newsletter uh whether it's a you know whether it's a podcast whether it's a you know a website <clears throat> there are known structures and patterns to it that are sort of this is the way you do it. But then there's also trying to be different. So when you're thinking about building something, and maybe I'll pose this question to you first, because I have a take on it from a company's perspective. Okay. Where do you start? Like, wh how do you start to think about that from a differentiation from a, from a, you know, what you're going to do, what you're going to talk about, what you're going to, sure. you know, I mean, that's always the thing, right? What are we going to talk about? You know, what are we going to talk about? Well, if, 
if you're just starting, you would say, okay, well, how do I find my sweet spot? And the you've on the one side, you're like, who's the audience and what's their informational need? What's their pain points? Okay. And then on the other side, like, what's my expertise? What are the things that we can talk yeah. about that we're experts in that comes together in some kind of a sweet spot. The problem is most businesses and creators, they just stop there. They think that's enough, but you've got to take it the next step. And, you know, I talk about this as the content tilt that area of differentiation where you can break through all that clutter. You talked about that as a differentiation, but I, I don't, I want to talk about that and I want to get your take on it, but I also want to say, and this is for businesses and for individuals. If you do this and you consistently deliver on whatever that base is, whatever that platform is, is there money there? Meaning right. if you build an audience, will it deliver the bottom line from a content marketing perspective or is there enough sponsorship support brand support is there enough um is there money on that side if you build an audience that can support you financially like you have to think of the money equation first after like after you get to that sweet spot argument because what are you doing this for <laughs> if you're right. doing it for a hobby it does by the way this conversation doesn't matter if it's a hobby but if you actually want to deliver like on marketing kpis you have to say okay well great let's say you're IBM, but you you do some kind of sh shorts on tacos or whatever the case. What does it matter? Is it going to drive more IBM services sales or our I, I or our AI stuff or whatever? Probably not. So you've got to make sure that you you take that stance on it. Now, the, from the from the content tilt thing, the one that I want to get your take, but this is the thing. I just had this conversation with somebody. They were going through here. Here's. I think you just brought up an example, right? Okay, I'm doing a podcast and here's my audience and I'm doing this Q&A format and I have some people in my database. But honestly, and this is, I would probably have to say north of 90%. When you look at somebody's content tilt or differentiation area, or you might call it a hook, they don't have it. Right. They don't have anything special where they've niched down a topic to a certain area or they have a tight enough audience that they can go to where they could actually say, hey, if we do the work on this platform over and over again. Can we be, let's say, on the B2B side, the leading informational expert in this thing? The answer is probably not. You haven't fine tuned this enough to differentiate with all that content clutter out there to even give yourself a chance. So you get down there 12, 18 months, they're doing their saying, hey, we're delivered consistently over a long period of time. Here's our audience. Here's our sweet spot until you're like, you could do this for another two years. You're not, it's just the same old stuff. You're just blending in with all that clutter. And that's what scares me about a lot of the stuff that happens with companies and creators because they haven't taken that next step to say, Look, we've got to be different in some way. Yes. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree with everything you just said. And I'll, I'll add perhaps some nuance to it um, because I think a lot of times what you just said goes a little bit misunderstood, right? Especially the part about knowing your audience and, and what, what it is they want. Um, and we talked, funny enough, we talked a little bit about this last week in my, in my rant on B2B. Um, which is in many cases, what we look at, and this is especially true in businesses um, that can get wrapped around the axle of, of trying to understand what the customer needs or what the customer wants, is that we forget about what would delight or surprise the customer. And it is knowing your audience, but it's also it's knowing your audience in a way that is separate and discreet from not necessarily what you believe about the world, Right. What you you know, what your point of view is on the world or what you think or, you know, it's going to go in uh, in in sort of a, a, an objection to that, but rather sort of things that align with that point of view, but also are expansive. Right. In other words, I think about thinking about the audience that wants to think about software, for example, you're a software company and you're and you make marketing software. Right. So. You've got to listen to your audience and figure out what the need or want is and what they need fed to them that isn't necessarily about software. Maybe it's about technology. Maybe it's about um, something different because that's where you run down the road, like you're saying, of being, you know, I, I love, I quote you all the time on this, which is the, you know, uh, publishing companies, right? Nobody wants to be the fifth best newspaper, right? And it's like, that's the, that's the key here. It's like, yeah, if you go do exactly you know, in your space, in your industry, 
what you know four others are doing in the space talking about the technology and the best practices and how you use email marketing software the best practices of how you do this then yeah you'll be the fourth or fifth best depending on how you know how how well you do and you'll just never get over that hump and it's like what can you be the best at but understanding that from the perspective of what does your audience want that's not getting delivered right what's the you know, what's, what's not, what are they not finding? And you know very well that when we work with clients, we talk all the time about the jobs to be done framework, because what you're really doing here is building a product. So design thinking, the jobs to be done framework, really understanding your audience, because you are building a product. You are building a product that has to separate itself in the marketplace. And it's not just a marketing campaign. It's not just mm -hmm. something that's going to feed you. The second thing that I'll say really quickly here, which feeds right into what you said, is understanding your goals and objectives. Because everything we just said about understanding your audience is moot based on your goals and objectives of what you're trying to do. Are you trying to drive sale leads into the sales group? Are you trying to get buy now? Are you trying to just drive awareness? Are you trying to just get subscribers? Are you what is it your what is your goal or what does success look like That's to it, you? Yeah. And it maybe it's revenue because you're trying to drive advertising. Maybe it's awareness of a particular topic. You know, we started this podcast, you know, in 2013, and our we had a very clear goal, which was to basically spread the message of content marketing. It was just basically to spread the message. And success looked for us as if we were driving traffic to CMI's website. Now our goals have shifted since then. Um, they're more revenue and audience based. Now we're trying to make this a thing or right? we're trying to make this a little business as it were sort of, sort of, you know, driving revenue, driving value, et cetera, et cetera. So our goals have shifted, but we're always been really clear about what it is we're trying to do, which helps us change and find that content tilt for the audience thinking about where can we feed what they need, right? What, what, you know, feed what they want. And what, and then out of all those things, out of all the things that they need fed to them or want fed to them, where can we be the best at it? Where can we yeah. be, you know, where can we offer perspective or entertainment or just general chuckleheadedness to say, we can be the best at doing this? It's funny, I'm sharing this in my Joe Polizzi newsletter coming out where you and I had a conversation. I don't know if it was in 2011 or 12. But we talked about the fact that we did a really good job positioning this thing called content marketing. We had the blog as our base. We were doing a really good job with that. But we could see what was happening in the industry. And there was a company, funny enough, there's a company called HubSpot that yep. really started to eat our lunch. And they were calling it inbound marketing. But basically, in general, it's similar types of things. And we, right. at that time, we were targeting all marketing professionals. And you and I sort of had a come to Jesus meeting and we said, can we can we be the best in the world focusing on this current tilt that we're going after? You know, content, market, valuable, relevant, compelling content delivered consistently to a target tar to a target audience for marketing professionals. So some education and training for marketing professionals. And you and I both said we can't we will we don't have the resources to do that. Right. That's right. Spot does. And 10 other companies that are going after all marketers. And we said, well, what do we need to do? And we said, we need to go upstream. We, we, if we did this for enterprise marketers, could we be the leading experts? Could we take that position? Could we cut through all that clutter? And the answer was yes. And making that decision. And of course, our content creation efforts had to change a little bit. We had to think about more complex issues. We focused on research a little bit more. We did a lot of things differently that ultimately helped the business. And that change changed everything about the success track that we were on. But a lot of people don't have those regular conversations. And I think what we're saying is if you're not finding success or even if you are, you have to look at that and say, hey, is, is this right? Yes. Is this audience right? Is this topic right? Is this sense of humor we have going on right? Is our platform the correct platform? Like we have to look at question it all the time. Yes. And then match know. that and match that, by the way, with your goals and objectives, because this gets right to your point about making sure that the audience that you get, like if you're successful, can a substantial, you know, this is why classic marketing Right. You know, I have a whole class on understanding strategic marketing planning where we talk about your total addressable 
audience, your total yep. addressable market. And you need to make sure that if you were to reach 1%, 2%, 5%, whatever your target goal is of that total addressable audience, would it support your business goal, right? So if your business goal, for example, is to have advertising revenue, I, I have this conversation way more times than I thought I might with entrepreneurs, content entrepreneurs and, and smaller companies where they say, we want to write, we want to create a podcast that is, you know, driving advertising revenue and with a big audience or an email newsletter to a big wide audience where we want to sell sponsorship. And I say, great, who's the target audience? Well, it's, and they literally run down the list because they've, they've done their homework and they said, we want to target VPs and CEOs of, you know, companies in the tech space that cover cybersecurity that cover, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, what's your TAM on that? Cause that sounds like a small audience. And it's like, yeah, it really is. We're going niche. It's like, okay. And I do a quick search and it's like, okay, there are, you know, 2000 of those people in the world. And so if you reach a hundred percent of that total addressable market in as a subscriber, you will have gotten 2000 people to subscribe to your podcast. And will that drive advertising revenue? Probably not. And so you've got but, to push, but push to that point, to yes. that point. To that point, and I don't want to cut you off, but I did. Yeah. But to that point, if you're sell if you're selling multi-million dollar software to those two thousand people, it's different. Because you right. might but only then the goal, need one then the or two goal, a year. Right. Then the goal, then the goal and objective is different, yes. right? The goal and objective is different. The go if the goal is I want to drive quality, high quality inquiries into my company because I sell multi-million dollar software to these VPs or CEOs, then God bless you, right? And so you know, it, what was yeah. that? You worked on that book program for the financial, uh, that were targeting like multimillionaires and they were sending out these books every month, the book club example. Yeah. That's the type of thing where they didn't need a lot of subscribers because they only needed a few every now and then to raise their hands and say, yeah, I want to invest with you or whatever the case was. I couldn't remember. Exactly it's no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great case study. It's a financial services company. They're a small consulting firm and they're, you know, I think they're 10 people now or 12 people now. I mean, it was uh, less than a dozen people in the entire company. And they have about, they, they run as they're, they're a content creator business. It's a, they do consulting sort of as a, uh, as sort of the, the, the way that they make money, um, in terms of, you know, providing, you know, they have a portfolio and then they consult on buying low and selling high, without going into too much detail. They're, they're basically are, consultants to finance big time, like hedge fund managers and big time investors. And so they're a small little company. And so their content program, which is a loyalty play for them. In other words, they have four or 500 on their email list. Um, it's a very small audience. And um, about, I think 70 of them are actual clients that pay them money. And then about four or 500 of them are just sort of either want to be clients or they want them to be clients. And so they have this thing, this book club that they created, which was every, you know, you could do two things, right? You could sign up for this subscription newsletter, which every, it would send them books, right? Basically reviews like, you know, the, the short, you didn't read this, you know, book. So, but you should read this book. Here's the summary of it. Here's the book report on it, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, if you want the book, you, they would send you the book, you know, in other words. And then they had a LinkedIn group that they've now since moved over to a private conversation. But they had a LinkedIn group where you could go talk about the books and all that kind of stuff. Really active thing. When they did a survey of their consultants, it was the number two reason that they got renewal every year. Number one was, of course, the value. Saw of value in it. But yeah. number two was this weird little book club that they'd set up, which was wonderful. And it wasn't about books about, you know, um, buying low and selling high or how to be a better investor or all those kinds of things. It was like, hey, here's the newest comedy book you should read. Here's the newest science fiction book you should read. Here's the newest book about world politics that you should read. And so every every month they would feature a couple of books in different categories that weren't about the business. That were just like, you don't have time to read. You're a busy, 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 busy person and don't have time to know what to read. Um, by the way, they expanded it to like records and plays and movies. Wow. Uh, all that kind of stuff. That's incredible. And it was like, it was just a great valuable tool for the, for their customers. That's finding a content tilt 
that is expansive beyond the remit of your business or your product or your service, but finding that niche value with the, and applying it to the right goal or objective for, which for them was loyalty. Nice. I love that example. Yeah. When we were doing the workshops together, you would share. Yeah. Would share it's it's one of my favorite examples like of all time. Cause it's small, right? It's so small. You know, they didn't need a big audience. They don't need a big audience. They just need an audience that does stuff that, that, that values it. And then, and then based on that, they can, keep the consulting clients they have subscribing to their services every year and then and then basically get and then it also becomes a bit of a new business technique for them as well right it's right on that line between loyalty and new business right where it's like you not only get our great consulting service but you get this cool little thing that we have too it's called our book club and and by the way talk to joe because joe loves it right perfect perfect should we uh pay the bills here yeah let's pay some bills Alley-oops don't happen without team chemistry, and your leads go nowhere if you aren't on the same page with sales. Yeah, I get it. And HubSpot, they get it too. That's why they created Sales Hub. It's an all-in-one platform built with all the tools you need for your team's success. Smarter prospecting? Check. Faster revenue? Yep. Scales with you? Yeah, sure does. You ready to help your sales team reach an all-star selling status? Head to HubSpot.com sales to try Sales Hub for free. Want a new podcast for your 2024 listening? Well, we can make that happen. In fact, why don't you try Make It Happen Monday, hosted by John Barrows. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Make It Happen Monday offers actionable sales tips to close more business and interviews industry leaders. Host John Barrows includes his insight as a leading B2B sales trainer and founder of J. Barrows Consulting. One recent episode I loved featured Jason Tan, a B2B expert in AI and the founder of Engage AI. Check it out. Make it happen Monday wherever you get your favorite pods. Nice. And we're back. Nice. And we're back. How do you how do you like that music? Uh I I like it so much I wanted to take a little snooze. It's like <laughs> It is. It's just very comforting. I mean, nothing. I mean, I like the whole message in the podcast, like, but the, it is. It's very. It's very comforting. It's music. like a little campfire. I think it is. I will bet you. I will bet you. And this is this is this is a shout out. This is a test. To okay. See if anybody at HubSpot actually listens to this thing. So my test is. I'll bet we take more care and feeding about the way that we do our wonderful sponsors than most podcasts. Right. Putting music behind it. Putting putting a nice voiceover to it, putting video to it, putting all the things to it. I'll bet we, I'll bet we really, we take, we go the you extra want, mile. You draw on the line. You want to put that to the test. That's yeah. what you, that's what you wanted. Okay. So I, I think you do a fantastic job and I'm so happy that you do them because if I, <laughs> mine would not even be close to that good. It's uh, you know, it's, and what, you, it's and I think you enjoy putting those together too. You have some fun. I, with you it. know, I, I'm not sure it was fun, but it's, but, it, but, but it, it, it's, <laughs> I do take pride in it. I do take pride because I want it to be like, we, you know, we look, we decided here, you know, this is a good, a good topic for us to talk about in this particular episode. We decided that we didn't want to do sort of the live read thing yeah. um, that we wanted to break out the ad. So that it was very clearly an ad and very clearly, you know, sort of, you know, this is, this is the insertion point. This is where it goes. And basically now we're done with ads, right? Um, we definitely didn't want to do a pre-roll ad and we don't want to do a post-roll ad. We wanted to put them right in the show and make them as good as they can possibly be as advertisements. And so that was, that's the goal. And so you, you sort of take that and go, okay, what does that mean? Right. And so you're trying to make them as good as they can be. You know, you take pride in the work you take, you know, you take pride in trying to make them good. Cause you, cause honestly, here's a little behind the scenes perspective for you. You don't get much. You don't, you don't, it's not like, it's not like you get, and here's the music you should play. And here's the words you should say. And here's the, you know, you get sort of what are called mandatory. It's like, you got to cover this. You got to cover that. Yeah. You got to cover here's this the bullet points that you have, by the cover. way, go say something meaningful. Here's the link. And yep. that's it. That's what you get. And it's like, everything else is sort of up to us to, to create. And the, and the other issue is, and this is not necessarily with HubSpot, but with other advertisers we've received is we'll get three paragraphs of the product oh, yeah right 
and like, okay, what do we like? If, if you read that out, it would be, I don't know, three minutes long. That's right. And you're like, okay, this is not helpful either. And then we'll say, okay, give, give us 75 characters, whatever. It's we never, you never get what you want. So you really do have to spend some time and say, okay, here's that's right. for our and audience. Here's how we want to approach well, it. Well, and that's that's the thing as well, right? Which is if you do get copy, it's the same copy that they've given to every other podcast yeah, that they're get, advertising on. So you don't get anything that's customized for the tone of your show or or whatever. And so you got to, you know, within limits, obviously, because they're the paying customer here and they get what they they ask for. But um, you got to try and massage it as much as you can so that it feels like the show, right? It feels like, you know, you're doing something in the show. It feels like the first time. Uh -huh. Okay. Feels okay. What do you want to go? What's next? I, I want to talk about. Uh, so the, I want to continue our 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 our, our sort of conversation on uh, the idea of differentiation and what you have found from you know companies that work with you know sort of especially in B two B companies yeah. that work with creators, right? And this whole trend of how do we create content brands around the creators that we know are in our network or our employees or, you know, all of that kind of thing. How, how do we start to harness that? So this is interesting. I've been doing a lot of research. Some of my speeches now that I'm doing on the B2B side has focused on this. You have the brand, you have the content brand, and then you have the creator's personal brand which is a whole new thing we've never talked about before, because in a lot of cases, especially on the B2B side, you have the brand and you may not even have a content brand. It just might be so-and-so's blog or whatever the case is and whatever is it. But, but now you're getting into a, hey, it's a content brand. The, the podcast has a name. The newsletter has a name. The YouTube has a name, but now you're going a step further and saying, how do we insert the creator into it? And that's really interesting. So if you go like, look at New York times, uh, newsletters that they have going out. They used to just be, here's the name of the newsletter on the go or right. travel insights or, or the news of the week, more and more of them as they're, they're adding or they're changing over. It's the picture of the person, the journalist or the content creator, and they take the whole show and they revolve it around that person. Listen to, listen to, to John Doe, Jane Doe talk about this issue. And what happens is when you subscribe to that newsletter, it doesn't come from the New York Times or the content brand. It comes from the person. So this yep. is what you're starting to see at B2B companies. And this is what I really, really love is, is if you're going to do this thing, let's just call, say a newsletter, it, it should come from the person, the creator, and you need to give that creator resources, help that creator. They're part of the initiative. There's not a lot of B2B companies that are doing this, but I think this is the way it should be done. So you think about, okay, great. Well, we're, we have this lead generation activity where we're going to target, you know, these, these types of talk about these types of things. And this is what the whole, all the KPIs are around. Okay. There's a person in our content marketing division. They're going to own this. They are the face of this whole thing. They're leading this charge. And you have to give a little bit of faith where you're putting, you know, you're, you're tagging them socially on whatever on LinkedIn right. or on Instagram or whatever you're doing. They are part of this thing. And a lot of BDB companies are reticent to do that because they're like, well, what if that person leaves? Yes. What if that person leaves? It happens all the time. It happens in every company. It sure. may, it's just part of doing business, but you'll reap the rewards. If you really get behind that person and say, we want our customers to have a relationship with that person. They're way more likely to open a thing, to go to a thing. I mean, I don't know why, Robert, but a lot of people like to know what we're doing. Robert Rose <laughs> and Joe Polizzi. Right. So doing focusing on that really makes a difference. And I've seen more in that, more of that. And I'd like if you look at one of the great case studies, B2B case studies of our time, Indium, you know, they manufacture industrial soldering yep. equipment, real boring stuff. They had a newsletter and a blog for the longest time that had like 30, 40, 50 different people on it. If you notice, they've gone to one. I yeah. think it's Dr. Lasky. Dr. Lasky is the guy. That's the guy they're tagging. That's the guy that the newsletter is coming from. That's the blog. And they're really focusing on the expertise of the person. And so that's been like a couple of years shift that we're seeing media companies and B2B companies do. It's really interesting. Yeah. I, you know, uh, 100% agree. And there's an interesting wrinkle to that, 
which is especially true if we are a bit, and I don't care if you're a business of five people or a business of 10,000 people, this is why, and man, am I struggling to get companies to think about it this way, which is thinking about your, this content brand that you want to launch. And, you know, the minute you say content brands, people in the marketing department go, ah, that's above my pay grade. I can't, we can't, we, we it's can't, another ah, brand. It's really hard. Yeah. Right. And so whether or not you actually call it a content brand or not, you've got to think about this thing, this owned media experience like a product, which means it deserves a product manager. It deserves someone who's going to look at it, promote it, think about it, audience develop it, you know, to your, to, to your point. And, and, and I'll tell you why. The reason is because exactly what you said, which is as we start looking more and more into influencers, external influencers, internal to become the voice of our company, whether it's, you know, like you said, with Indium, a group of engineers or one, or whether it's an, a group of influencers, you know, or one, yeah. you don't want to sink all your money you don't want to you know you don't want to you don't want to basically lean too heavily on any one of them where the risk is if they do leave you actually I, I can't tell you how many times i've gotten you know and i don't mean this as a humble brag or anything but i get a lot of inquiries as saying hey listen you're an influencer in content marketing and so we'd like you to do a promotional video or we'd like you to do a you know a linkedin live where you demo the product or you do those kinds of things yeah. and i go and i go back and i go look a i don't want to do that but b you don't want me to do that sure right you what you want to do is you want to develop a content product where i become a voice in your content product and so I help teach or I help engage or I'm funny or something like that where you're using me in the quote unquote influence, whatever, you know, <laughs> micro influence that is that I have to support your content program, not where I'm supporting the company, because that's just a spokesperson. That's, you know, all you're doing there is just hiring a spokesperson. And we know what happens when you get, you know, I mean, look, bad things happen. And untrustworthy things happen. And so you're so leaning in on that one creates this time box for when that thing is valuable versus when it's not valuable. Because like if you build a content brand and that influencer goes sideways, you know, either politically or in some other way, yeah. you could pull them out and the content brand doesn't hurt because of it. But that, so that's you're right that i i would say you can go all in and if you do it right and you set it up as a show you can make the you can always make the transition because let's just of course. I'll give you, yeah i'll give yeah. you that's a, the a flexibility you have yeah. with a content brand right that's the flexibility you have by launching it as a a show or a brand rather than you know the the joe polizzi show right but you know that, what I mean? oh see but you, what you brought up is so important that a lot of people don't especially marketing don't do you're creating a show Right. I don't care if it's a newsletter it's a or product. a podcast or it's a pro you have to treat it like a product. It is a show. It has, you have distinct parts of that show. There are components of that show that is not, they're not a part of your normal marketing. That's right. And I think a lot of people forget that it's like, Oh, we just, this is, we put the content on the website. Uh, every once in a while, we'll throw a podcast up there. Every once in a while, we'll put this thing on YouTube. You're boiling the ocean with all your content and you're doing absolutely nothing for your customers. You're not building any relationships at all. You're not building a fan base or audience base at all. It's just a waste of time. And exactly. I would say, honestly, that's most companies out there, what they're doing. That's they're right. just putting stuff out there. And that's where I get concerned about the state of content marketing because you see all this, we're creating more content than anything else that we're doing in an organization, right? We create more stuff around content, video, audio, textual, but at the end, they haven't built anything and you want to focus on building that asset of a content brand, which is a show. Yeah. It is a product. Yeah. You know, and it, and it, and it's because we're still taking, and I, when I say we, I mean, most businesses, and this is especially true in B2B for sure, but even in B2C, it's common as well, where we're still taking that campaign level approach to it, right? It's yeah. just a campaign. And I mean, even going back to what I was saying with, you know, when I get the outreach from, from it's usually technology companies um, that are, that, that'll come to me and they'll say, we're doing a campaign. Like we're doing a campaign where, 
we're asking all these influencers to do something right. And it's all, it's, it's inevitably the same thing, right? We're all, we're asking them to do the same thing. And it, it ends up being like, okay, you know, meh, right. One, it, it doesn't feel right. Um, for most, I mean, and believe me, there are plenty of influencers out there that do it. I mean, there are plenty out there that do it. Sure. You can see it on TikTok, You can see it on YouTube. You can see it on Facebook there, and Reels. There are Rob Gronkowski's everywhere. Exactly, right? But how do you <laughs> how do you how do you take that? Okay, I'll say this: the the Gronkowski with the the John Senna commercial. Yeah, I love it. You so like much. that one? I love I love it so much because he comes bursting in, and John Senna is clearly the replacement that they have for Gronkowski, and, and John Senna is like, yeah, even I know it's better. It's, it's, exactly. It's exactly. so good. It's so good. Yeah. All right. All right. One other quick topic before sure. we before we break, which I want to get your take on, because um, we're seeing a lot of the resurgence of build versus buy. Mm -hmm. um, and so as a business or as a content creator, what's your take on the organic, you know, trying to do something organically or basically acquiring something? If you're looking at the marketing side, 99.9% .9 of the stuff, the content in marketing is organically driven. Yeah. And the case that you and I have made for a long time, especially since I grew up in business to business publishing, I've told this story before, but it's probably worth telling again. When I started to put my P&Ls together on the publishing side, and then we used to figure out, okay, how are we going to grow for next year? If, if you're on the marketing side, you're, you're doing, you're creating lots of stuff. Yeah. But if you're on the publishing side, we were taught that half of your growth should be organic, should be internal from the staff you have ideas, you have new ideas. That's great. But the other half should be, you're going out and purchasing things because most likely the thing that you're going to create has already been established by somebody. Yeah. And half of these things or more are always for sale. Yep. So instead of creating a brand new newsletter or a brand new podcast or a YouTube series or whatever the case is, take a moment, just take a second and say, hey, is something already out there that's created? You could save two, three, four years in the development of a content brand, of an audience base, the data behind it. It might already be out there and say, what would you pay to have a three-year head start? That's right. Um, so that that's... So I'm not saying that, oh, every company out there should look to, to buy over build. But you absolutely, I think part of the content marketer's responsibility is to see, hey, what's our short list? Oh, we're doing this thing? Who's out there doing it? Uh, is there an opportunity? Should we do a partnership? Should we look into that? You know what? You have to ask the question because you're doing a disservice to the strategy of content marketing if you're not even looking in that direction. So that would be my take. And I, I remember you and I were in Singapore. We were talking to the CMO of a very, very large, yeah. well-known company. And we were saying, they were saying all these things that they were going to launch. And we, we just both said, you know, some of these things already exist. Why don't right. you go out and buy them and save yeah. yourself a heck of a lot of time? And he looked at us like we had two heads. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. I mean, because it, it, well, it's, it's, it, and the reason for that is because it feels so, again, outside of our pay grade to think about acquisitions, right? If we're in, if we're in marketing, especially in B2B companies and most yeah. B2C companies, it's like, if you ask the marketing team, Hey, what have you thought about in the way of acquisitions? They go, Oh, that's not, that's not even close to my department. Right. And so, but it doesn't have to be. And, and again, core piece of, you know, what we teach in the, in the classes and strategic marketing planning is if even only to understand what it took your competitors that you're about to launch a product to, to understand how long it took them to get to where they are or to understand what's out there that already exists and is it successful. So even from just a SWOT analysis to say yeah. our competitive set, you should look at things that from the eye of a buyer, like if you, if you were out there going to buy a property which ones would you buy? Because they're either going to become your competition as you try and or grow organically, or it becomes an opportunity. And it always does, and it doesn't always have to be huge, right? I, I I've talked about on the show before the one 
we worked with a you know sort of a, a hardware company like total hardcore b2b they do like door hardware and you know sort of infrastructure for access to windows and doors and locks and you know all this sort of thing and so in many cases one of their audiences was locksmiths and they found a weird little blog that had gotten like thousands of locksmiths in a in a sort of online community blog sort of yep. thought leadership thing run by one woman who did this interesting little blog to these locksmiths and it was they just said hey would you like to come work for us like literally it was an aqua hire right it was literally hey come work for us as an employee running our content marketing program and they acquired the blog as part of it. So it's it doesn't have to be a huge acquisition. It doesn't have to be an overly complicated thing. It can be very simple. But our, but I'll, you know, let's just say that you wanted to be the leading expert in solar power engineering, whatever right. the case is. You target well, what's the discussion forum out there? What's the newsletter? What's the podcast? What's That's the right. YouTube series? Like if I was leading that on the brand side, I would say, well, let's, there might be opportunities that we be, we could become the leading informational expert in the world on this in a very short period of time. And you're right. A lot of these creators, these entrepreneurs, they, some of them don't like to do it anymore. Some have been doing it for five, seven years and they want an out. Yeah. And they're like, maybe they can work with you on this. And I don't think we're thinking enough about it. You, to your point about marketers, the marketers don't realize that they're publishers. They Somebody don't should realize acquire that us. they're in the publishing business. Somebody should acquire us. I'm we're out. cheap. <laughs> i'm tapping out then no we probably would be cheap i think I we know. would but i don't know if anybody would buy us because we we should get a spotify know. deal like rogan We're, that would be it that would be acquisition kind of a thing yeah i don't know i don't know uh, i mean we're well, as good as we'll rogan see. we're as good as rogan or grant cardone come on <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where to take yeah, that comment. I'm not. I think we it. should just probably yeah. end. I we think should that's just it. probably end. I think that's it. Yeah. All right. What do you got? So, so we'll ba be back to regularly. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled. Yes, news oriented program next week because you'll be back. You'll be. Uh, back, yes, yeah? yes, I will be back. I unless, will absolutely the, be back unless the Caribbean continues to. No, no, no. You. I'm, you'll be I'm back. going to. I'm going to be back because because then after that I'm going to go with my youngest spring training. Oh, that'll be, be fun. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so, so baseball season. Here we go. Of course, football. We're done with football. Football's done. Here comes baseball. But the spring, the, the new spring uh, football is coming up. So that'll be interesting to watch. But you know, is we'll anybody going? Is that going to work? I don't know. I, I kind of hope it does. Really? I, yeah. Because yeah. you want football all year long. There's, well, there's, yeah, you know, there's, there's real football. There's Premier League football that you could watch too. That's true. You can watch the Arsenal. That's true. Me. I've never been able to attach myself to a team, though. Yeah, you can be you. You can be you root for the Arsenal like I do. I'll okay. get you a hat, and then you'll be all right. Maybe so. Maybe okay. maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll try that. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, as Joe mentioned, next week we'll be back with a regularly scheduled news-oriented, fun, chuckle-headed, filled uh, goodness of snark. Um, and until then, until we see you next week, just remember, everybody, it's your story to tell and remember to tell it well. And we'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. <laughs>